Hey, welcome. How are you? This is Matt with So Cincy. We're here with you. I'm just trying to make sure that everything is working and going. Because Wednesday, I streamed. And there was no stream. Like, I don't know where it went to. I have the, I have the audio recording. I did a video record just as a backup. But the stream, not a not a clue to where it is. So it is what it is. And that's what it is. So, but we're going to go ahead and get into it. See, now the, the stream is still not coming up. But, oh, well, I don't know what's going on. I might have to just reset the, uh, the stream. So this will be recorded. So there'll be a video. There'll be a video version. There'll be no, at least there'll be an audio version. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So we're going to be in Mark 11. Now I said we're going to be in Mark 11, 27 through 33, but we're actually going to go a little bit further into chapter 12. Because as I was doing a little bit of reading this morning, I was like, what's going on in chapter 12? And then I saw that there's more to the story. So, uh, this is Jesus in the temple. If you've heard the story before the, where he is throwing out the, the people in the temple because they're like overselling animals and sacrifices and all that stuff. Like this is, this is that context. So this is where he's at. So it reads, Again, they entered Jerusalem as Jesus was walking through the temple area. The leading priest, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question, Jesus replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Answer me. They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. But do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid of what the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Then Jesus began teaching this Mark 12. Then Jesus began teaching them with stories. The them is everyone in the, that was around them. So the religious leaders, the disciples that were with them and anyone else that might've been in the crowd, a man planted a vineyard and he built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop, but the farmers grabbed the servant, beat him up and sent him back empty handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent were either beaten or killed until there was only one left, his son whom he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farmers said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I'll tell you. He will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. 
didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it's wonderful to see. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. And that is the passage of John or no Mark 11 through Mark 12. So I know I said originally Mark 11, 27 through 33, but we went up to 12, 12. So, so there you go. There you go. So what does this say about God, about Jesus, about his plan? So Jesus didn't like, again, like I said, the context is Jesus was not happy that they were making the house of, or the, the, um, people, the temple, they were not happy that they were doing that as, as, uh, thievery. So, um, in the other books of that recount Jesus story in John, or I'm sorry, in Matthew and in Luke, there's some not different, not different stuff, but there's some more context given because of the nature of the audience that those books were written to. So I was looking it up like Matthew gives a little bit more context because they Matthew is writing to Jewish people. And they're saying like, look, the people that you had, these leaders, like they're not it basically. Um, so there's a little bit more context. If you read that story in Matthew and Luke uh, versus versus Mark. And so again, the context is he's, he's clearing out this temple because they're selling animals for sacrifices. And from what I think I remember is they were doing it like not right. So Instead of being like, oh yeah, here's a here's a dollar for a mouse to go sacrifice, like they're charging like six dollars for for like the chance to get a mouse to sacrifice, like so they're basically like shorting them. Um, so I and I don't I don't know because I'm not a Bible scholar, but um, if you're a Bible scholar listening, you can comment and say like what was like going on? Like what was the gist of that? But that's what I was told from whoever taught me that story. I think it might've been in my short brief time in seminary. It might've been a church, but yeah, they're basically like the, the people selling stuff are basically screwing people. So that's why Jesus was ticked off. And so Jesus clears up this temple and, and this is the context. And so what this says about God is as Jesus was, giving the 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 story the parable of of the one like the idea around that parable is that the is that the um the owner is is god like god's the owner and he's saying i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna create this little kingdom so to speak um, and then I'm going to put people in charge. And so the people in charge, the, the farmers are the religious leaders and, and things like that. So they're, so they're saying like, like that's, that's why at the end they said that, uh, they were upset because it was about them. Like they, they realized verse 12 
in chapter 12. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized that he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. So, so that's, so there's, there's, it, there's, um, the characters of that, of that parable are all representing somebody that's in that, in that crowd right now. And so he's pointing out and saying like, Hey, y'all are, are, are cruddy. Um, and then, and then obviously God, like I said, God is the owner of the farm and the son that's being sent is obviously the, the, the character that is Jesus. Like that's the, that's the, uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. That's the representative in the story. That's what I was looking for. So what does it say about, about people is that at that time, the religious leaders, according in this passage, the religious leaders are cheats and thieves and are being oppressive to the people that God has called at that moment because they're adding so much stuff. And like, not only are they adding, um, laws and requirements and things like that. And so you can go in and look throughout the, out the scriptures and you can go looking through the gospels and you can see where, um, the religious leaders are mandating, requiring things that, that God never spoke of. So, um, what it says about humans is that oftentimes we do this as well. Like we'll say like, Hey, if you want to be a Jesus follower in 2023, you got to believe in Jesus. And then you got to do these other things and you got to do all these other things too, where that's not necessarily, well, I mean, it's not true. It's not necessarily true. It's, it's just not true. Like the scriptures shows time and time again that, um, those who believe, and repent. We'll be saved. I'm pulling it up so I know what scripture I can point to you for. Romans 10. Yeah. I always do this, man. I always go to pull up the... Um, Try to get to the into the Bible, and I always hit the wrong button. So this is Romans ten, nine. Let's pull that up for y'all. So if you're watching this, you can see it. If you openly declare that Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing your heart that you are made right with God. Verse ten, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Like that's it. There's, there's not anything else there. And you see this idea over and over and over again, where it's, it's this idea of believing in your, believing in your heart. So, and when they say, I heard this yesterday, I think it was on TikTok. When they say, believe with your heart, we're not, you're not talking specifically about the, the organ, right? We think that like your heart, your literal heart is just, flesh and meat and it just it pumps and it doesn't have its own thing but when they're talking about believing in your heart that's like believing in your like the depths of your soul like your your motivation your desire your passions like that points to yes i believe that jesus died on a cross died for my sins 
because I'm a wretched person, because I'm an awful per- a person, and he loves and forgives me, and I want to submit my life to him. That's what it's saying when 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 people are saying like believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, and then con- the confession part is saying like is like making that like yes, I'm a I want to follow and be obedient to what Jesus has said and and what the the whole Bible points to from from Genesis to Revelation and from that from that believing you start acting towards what Jesus said so that the acting is not required prior to salvation from salvation we change we have this new belief this new idea and all those things so that's what it's saying so when we're talking about the old when we're talking about the the religious leaders they're putting all these extra stipulations on becoming saved for the people and so so yeah there you go <sighs> what else there was something else i wanted to hit on in this and um, I believe it was chapter 12. This was, I thought this was nuts. <laughs> Verse nine. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to elaborate on this just because I, I don't really no, but it was just fat. Like it was just fat. Like Jesus was just straight up like verse nine. He says, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked, I'll tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. There is so much in there that you could probably unpack that I don't even I don't even know what I don't even know where to begin. It points to that in God's plan, He established people to care for the vineyard. Those people have been frauds, have been thieves, have been oppressors, have been holding people back from being able to get to that relationship with God in, in the old Testament time. And, and he says, this is how I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to kill those farm. I'm going to come. I'm going to kill those farmers. I'm going to wipe out those people put in charge. And then I'm going to take it, the vineyard, and I'm going to give it to others to steward. I'm going to lease the vineyard to others, right? Because they don't, and I think that's the issue. That's another thing with people. We think we own what's going, like what's going on. When in reality, God is leasing the things to us. So if you're a pastor of a church, like you don't own the church. God has leased it to you. So that you can steward it well and make sure that the people in care of your flock 
are being equipped, encouraged, admonished. I don't even know what it means to admonish someone. That's a, just a fancy word I heard this past week from a good friend of mine who said she's a great admonisher. And I was just like, you might be. I think it's like like you can give scripture to people like really good. I don't know. It, I was like, admon- like I've heard it before, but I've never like really like sat down and be like, hey, what's admonished? Nor have I, and she was the first person who said, like, I know my gift is in admonishing. I have never heard anyone else say that before. So who knows? Maybe I'll look up what admonishing is real quick. But anyways, we are to be stewards of what we have. Like we have a house. We don't own the house. We rent, we lease it. We still have to listen to the wants and the needs of the people who own the house and so that we steward this house well. I would love to paint these walls because they are like light pink. They're terrible. I hate them. I hate the color of them. I wish they were any other. I would I would prefer them to be white. I don't know if you can. It's You can't really tell in this but it's just a a salmon bland color and i would love to be able to paint the walls just a different color white i want uh what do you call it i want um accent walls i want a ton of different stuff and it's just it's just bad i hate the colors of the wall i also want pets the kids want pets. I would love to have a dog, a cat here, and stuff like that, and maybe some fish. I'm an, I'm an animal person. Like, when we do buy our own house eventually, like, it's gonna be troublesome because I'm I'm gonna have a hard time with telling the kids not to bring in <laughs> stray animals from outside. But our in our lease it says no pets, zero, none, nilch, nada. And it's, I'm like, okay with it. Cause then it's like, I don't have to worry about vet bills, animal food, blah, blah, blah. But part of me wants a bait, like a, like just a beta fish. Like, can I get just a beta fish? A little tiny thing it sits in a thing, no bigger than this. It's no big deal, but it's, it's a no, it's, it's, it's a no pet policy. And so I, so I have to be honorable to that lease as unfair i'll be honest as unfair as that is that can't own a freaking beta fish i have to be honorable to the least and say okay no animals like it makes sense if it was like a huge 150 gallon fish tank but a little beta fish tank but no fish and so we have to be honoring to what that is because we're we have, quote unquote, signed a covenant with Jesus when we say we want to follow you. We believe in you. We love you. We want to do. You got to follow that that uh, covenant of what he has established. So I have to sacrifice, surrender my desire for the for the the beta fish desires of my heart. I have to submit that to God. Oh, that's good. 
That's good. I just thought of that. But there we go. According to this passage, what am I doing well? For me, it's it's a it's a battle. But it like I said, it's it's surrendering those desires and truly living to what God says. And so for the people in Mark eleven and Mark twelve, like I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a, a person that holds people back from hearing the gospel. Like, like, can you make the gospel as easy as possible for a person to, to come to know Jesus? Can you put it in a context that makes them want to know Jesus? Oftentimes we think that evangelism is this. Every person you interact with that you, that you're evangelizing to, you are, making sure that they confess with their mouth, believe in their heart at that moment. Like you got to sign repent, repent, believe now. And someone's going to come and they're dropped to their knees and oh, I surrendered my life. I don't know how many people have ever done that. I honestly don't. But the idea with evangelism is what turns someone 1% closer towards God. And then that's the, that's the cool part because then the pressure of getting that salvation call is lifted. Cause if you can only focus on like, Hey, my interaction is to draw this person close to Jesus. Just a little bit, just a little bit. Then it makes me want to evangelize more versus if I had to, like, you have to make sure that their soul is saved, guaranteed get into heaven. The pressure of that realistically, right? So what am I doing? Well, I think, I think it's that. What could I be doing better? Is sort of the same thing. My daily interactions for those that matter. Everyone, wait, everyone matters. Not really. But, <laughs> but the people that really matter in my life, my immediate family, friends, those who are saved, those who are not believers those daily interactions that not that are not necessarily like intrinsically evangelistic my actions and interactions should be evangelistic so that we are bringing them closer to Christ and we're encouraging them to follow Christ closer if they are believers we're not putting up stumbling blocks. We are not creating hindrances. We're doing things out of love as Galatians says. One of those one of those books. I can't remember which one. But that's it. So who needs to hear this as we wrap up? This song's a bop, man. But I'm Matt with So Cincy. Thanks for tuning in with us today. Uh, you can give us a follow or connect with us over on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at so Cincy. And we'll see you around. Have a great weekend. It's Super Bowl weekend. Leave a comment down below. What are your predictions on the score? Who's gonna win between the Chiefs and the Eagles? I'm gonna go say I'm gonna go say go Chiefs because 
I don't like Philadelphia. That's it. That's what happens. Oh, well. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Bye. Love you. Thank you.